Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns are coming off a crushing last-second loss to the Las Vegas Raiders and don't have much time to get over it before a Christmas game Saturday in Green Bay. The playoff hopes aren't extinguished, but they are flickering. Here to discuss everything with me, as always, it's Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. Merry Christmas, Chud. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you too, Scott. I uh, hope you have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everybody out there. And uh, unfortunately, though, the uh, gift of the Browns winning did not happen. That was a tough one, man. That it, uh, You were there. I was not. Sounded electric, though. It sounded like the fans, uh, you know, really brought it. And it just had that playoff type intensity. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, definitely wasn't a boring game. And boy, they, they gave it their all. Got to give Mullins credit, but uh, just you know, it's one they should not have let get away. No, you're right. It did get loud in the fourth quarter, especially um, when they made that rally, took the lead, Greedy gets the interception, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, they're going to pull this game out, right? And there's so many layers to this, as always. But it's can they overcome the COVID, right? 22 guys on the COVID list. You had three coaches out, including the head coach, Kevin Stefanski. And at the start of the game, and really throughout that first half, it looked like, no, they're just overmatched. They don't have enough guys to do it. You know, you're watching Derek Carr, um, you know, throw to Hunter, Renf- Hunter Renfro, and they got Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakoui. They just have guys, and the Browns didn't have enough of their guys. But the Raiders made enough mistakes. The Browns hung in there to their credit, and all of a sudden they're winning the game, and all they have to do is make a play, whether it's convert the third and three and give you a first down, the game's over, get a stop to keep them from kicking that field goal at the end. And if you want to flash back to the end of half is Nick Muller, uh, Chase McLaughlin, make a field goal. Any of those plays changes the game, right? The, the yep. McLaughlin miss, you know, things change. You got a whole half to play, but you know what my point is. Um, so they put themselves in a position despite all the adversity to win the game and can't get it done. And that's, what's obviously super frustrating for the fans it flashes you back to being unable to finish games in Kansas City against the Chargers, even Pittsburgh to some degree. Um, they were leading going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, we talk about margin for error. And they didn't give themselves any, right, by not playing, not living up to potential early in the year. And all of a sudden, you can't finish off a game in dire circumstances. And now your backs are really against the wall. Yeah, great point there. And I want to dissect a few of those things you said before we get into that, though. I wanted to share this with you and get your opinion on it, because it really, I mean, doing a lot of thinking. I sent a text to my buddy and I just simply wrote tough loss for Browns. I mean, I didn't have to say anything more. (laughs) And he wrote back, might be toughest loss since Pittsburgh North Cut playoff game. And I I had to sit there and think about that. First of all, that's sad for the state of the Mm. franchise. Uh, (laughs) That's the case. But I mean, really, when, you know, it. I like when people make comments that really get me thinking and, and boy, I mean, you know, it, it's up there, right? I mean, it, it's yeah. sad, but true, but that, that's uh, you know, I mean, there's other ones we could point out, but um, you know, it just because of the difference of going from first place to last place, the expectations that was put on this team, you know, the Raiders are not a good, not a great team. I mean, they have the same record, but you just really felt like that was a game even down and out, you know, that you got to win. Yeah. For, yeah. And, you know, I don't have time in Christmas week to go back to all the 
brutal losses. Um, but, <laughs> right. I, but I did have that thought pop in my head and where does it rank? And, you know, I mean, Joe Batoni has been through plenty of these, right? Came here in 2014 and he said, this one ranks at the top. Mike Prefer talked about um, not having seen this kind of hurt in the locker room before or recently. Um, you know, you can think of really weird losses and difficult ones. You know, we had that kick six against the Ravens on that Monday night, right? Rather going to kick the winning field goal gets blocked for a touchdown. But I don't really, I don't think the Browns were in a playoff chase that year. At least didn't feel like this to me. You know, maybe they were hanging around the fringes. Um, you know, the Dwayne Rudd helmet and Bottlegate. You know, Dwayne Rudd was the opener. Bottlegate, you know, I don't think they were going to get to the playoffs. I mean, they, they might have been borderline that year, too. It was Butch's first year, I think. Um, and they finished 7-9. and nine. So, I don't think they won the but, playoffs. But those are in the all great points there and great memory bringing them all up. But those are all games that are weird and crazy right. endings. Exactly. Like, 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 like Rudd, like the, the helmet, that was the first game of the year. I yes. mean, like, I, I think this is a different, you know, this wasn't necessarily weird. It was more of the emotions. And, yes. you know, we talked about that before, you know, it's prime time under the lights, the, the significance of it. And I mean, basically, if they win that game, you're, you're really feeling good about a, a possible playoff berth. No, yeah, you're exactly right. That's yeah, that's what I was trying to get to is those games didn't, I don't think, had the same repercussions from a playoff, you know, just meaningful, meaningful standpoint. Um, and this one did, right? You go from first place in the AFC North, and the Browns, we talked about this a hundred times. The Browns have never won the AFC North to fourth place. You go from the fourth seed in the AFC playoffs, which you're hosting a playoff game, to 12th seed, and only seven teams make the playoffs. Right. All because of you can't finish a game. Right. And that's what happens this late in the season when you don't finish a game and you're on the bubble, all those things. So, yeah, I mean, it's up there. Right. For sure. It is up there. And we're going to dissect it just how it gets away, you know. And yes, COVID played a part. But if you can handle the COVID issue for whatever, 57 minutes and 40 seconds, you should be able to handle for the final 220. And it's just kind of emblematic of a season where the Browns haven't been able to finish and they haven't been able to get that one or two wins that they really need to get them over the hump. So let's talk about some of the things you brought up. Number one for me, and I, I just, gosh, did it just drive me nuts when, when McLaughlin missed that field goal? Uh, I mean, that, that just, and, and, you know, I understand that, you know, the game played out the way it did because he missed it, but I'm sorry. I mean, that's the difference in the game. I mean, their kicker came up big when, when the game was on the line and ours did not win. It was just the first half. I mean, you, you got to hit that field goal. And, and, and if you hit that, it does change the direction of the game, but I feel it changes it in the direction for a Browns win. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And, and it's not just the first time he's missed a kick, right? He's missed five of the last 11. Um, he, didn't, he wasn't close on that kick, and it might have gotten long enough. From my seat in the press box, it looked like it was short. Um, and then on replay, it looked like maybe it was long enough and just wide right. But I'll tell you this, he did not hit it well. Because he kicked the one, and they froze it. So the one didn't count, and he nailed it. Like, it was good by plenty. And then the other one looked like it took an hour to get close to the goalpost and was fluttering, and he just didn't hit it. And we've just seen too many misses from – McLaughlin, like I said, five out of the last, he's five for his last 11. Yet the Browns are going to stick with him. They must see something there that says if he can get through these struggles, he's a young kicker, 
that he can come out the other side. And we've seen it across the league, right? Guys get cut, guys struggle, and then they turn into Phil Dawson or Adam Vinatieri. Um, the Browns must see something because they have another kicker on the practice squad that they see kick in practice too. So there must be a reason they're going to stick with Chase McLaughlin. Um, but yeah, it's a huge play in the game. And now it's gotten to the point where I'm sure Kevin Stefanski or Monday it was Mike Prefer is hesitant to put him out there, right? If, if it's a 50-50 shot, you're going to go for it or you're going to punch, whatever, because the trust factor isn't there. And that's a tough spot to be in when you're in the playoff chase, points at a premium, all that. So, yeah, that was a brutal kick, and you felt like that was a change of momentum. They get it. It's the end of the half, right, right before the half. They go, and they're down 10-3. They got a little momentum, and then it felt like, oh, my gosh, the wind just goes out of the stadium. Though the Browns did show some resilience by they got a turnover um, that sparked them in the third quarter. But that's a huge miss. There's just no doubt about it, Chud. And it changes everything. And then their kicker, like you said, lines up and drills it into the tougher end of the stadium, going into the dog pound from 48 yards. Yeah, of course, their kicker can't get ice, but ours does, you know. Right. And, and ours is the home hometown kicker. You know, home, it's, it's just – it's so frustrating. It really is. And there's not much more you can really dissect on it. You hit it all right there, but it just, man, it's infuriating. And, you know, so, all right, so that happens. So it felt like, um, you know, following along on Twitter as you're watching the game, you know, everyone's like, why not more Nick Chubb? Right. And then yeah. they, you get more Chubb, you get the lead. And then at the end of the game, they go to Chubb on the most important play of the game and it doesn't work out. So then now everyone's like, oh, they should have passed it. So <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of through here, you know, what, what, what's the truth behind all this? Yeah. I don't think there's a clear cut right or wrong thing there, Judd. And I've thought about this a bunch. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, my text chains and Twitter feed, and you know, Twitter's evil to some degree. Right. But it's full of, Give the ball to Chubb. Give the ball to Chubb. Chubb. He's your best player. And he by far was your best player when Nick Mullins is a quarterback. You don't have your left tackle. You don't have your right tackle. You don't have Jarvis Landry, right? I mean, Nick Chubb is your best player on offense Monday night. So I, you can make a strong argument if you're Alex Van Pelt, right? He's the guy calling the play. And if you're Mike Prefer, because he's the guy, who knows how much influence Mike Prefer has on that call. Um, but to say, hey, we're, we're going to give it to our best player. Our, we are a run first team, right? We're paying our guards tons of money, right? We're paying – we extended Nick Chubb. We're going, to give it, we're going to give him the ball. It makes sense. And you can go back – you don't have to go back far. You go back to that Lions game. Remember, Baker couldn't complete a pass, and they, they handed it off, whatever, the last seven plays of the game and got yeah. the first downs necessary to finish the game. So it's not like they've never run on third down before and gotten it. In fact, Baker ran to end the game against Pittsburgh last year that got him in the playoffs, right? They needed a conversion, and Baker ran it. So it's, it's foolish to say everybody in the league would throw the ball there or you have to throw it in that situation. That's just not true. Now, the counterpoint is the Raiders know you're going to run, now, Chubb had some success in the second half, but he didn't, like, light it up. You know, it wasn't like they were dominating on the ground. But you know that they're going to try to take it away. You don't have your starting offensive line intact because of COVID and injuries. Could you try some deception? Do you try a play action? 
maybe roll out and you have a guy wide open for a first down. I understand that thought. And I do think there is some killer instinct involved in that. Some, hey, this is how we're going to win the game, right? This is our best play. We trust it more. But it's also you got your third string quarterback in. Again, you're not, and we talked about not having the starting offensive line where you have to protect your third string quarterback. So I, I don't think there is a automatic right answer here. What I'll tell you is that they didn't execute that play, and there were a bunch of reasons for it. Um, J.C. Treader got blown up by Jonathan Hankins. That started it going in the wrong direction. Um, Andy Janovich, the fullback – I'm checking my notes here, Chud. Um, Janovich, the fullback, can't gets beat by the linebacker. Um, you know, who's coming down the line, he gets, Janovich gets to him, and then the linebacker gets off, off the block. And then Michael Down, who's filling in for Batonio left guard, can't get to the other linebacker on the second level. So those three guys made the play. And it's because the blocks weren't good enough. And, you know, I don't know how much you blame on the coach there when you run this play a bunch, you need guys to execute, and it doesn't happen. Well, and the other thing, too, is, you know, you, you're – you're taking what was the situation there as far as um clock? Did that take it down to two minutes? Because remember what the, yeah, wasn't there? It did. Is it yeah, two okay? Yeah. The, the Raiders um, had used their last two timeouts. So if you throw it there, the danger is, and that you're right, that's that is completely a factor. Uh, I'm I got the play by play in front of me. I just want to check. So on second and yeah, eight, and, they run it yep. five yards. Raiders take a timeout. So there's 231 left. If you throw it there and it's incomplete. All of a sudden, it's 225 left, and you're kicking to the Raiders, right? So instead, you wind up going down the two-minute warning. You kick at 150, or you kick at two, and they get the ball back at 150. Yeah, and, you know, there was a play, and I can't remember where, when it was, in the first half or something that Mullins did, and I, and I kept thinking, um, you know, that was risky, or, you know, you're talking about a guy who hasn't, you know, seen much action of late. What did he start eight games last year or something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the bottom line is, could you imagine if they pet? Right. And I'm not saying what they should have done there necessarily. I, I don't have a huge problem with it because, you know, I mean, you, you're putting it in the hands of your best player. You would hope that he could get it done and that they could get it done. They didn't. Right. But at the end of the day, they still punt and you still force car to beat you, which he did. Yep. But Imagine the backlash if they pass on that play and it's intercepted or you have a strip sack and fumble. Then imagine what the reaction is going to be. Well, no, you're 100% right. And, you know, you can't coach like that. You can't because half the people are think you should do one thing, half the people think you do the other. But you're right. It's right, certainly right. It, yeah. right. If, you put, if you put the ball in Nick Mullen's hands and say, go win the game for me, and he doesn't, there's, that's way easier to second guess. Than handing it to Nick Chubb, your Pro Bowler. There's, there's yeah, no. And that's, you're 100% right. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm not necessarily talking about the coaches as much as the fan reaction because yes. that's you know that's what you know we react to, right? Yeah. So, but but you're right. So that you just hit it on the head. You can't make your decision based on you know what the fans want you to do. I mean, you know, they have a good feeling. Now, I will say this though, and I'm going to bring this up to you. And I don't know if I'm only going to go on basically this was sent to me on Twitter. And did you see the, um, the run direction, the rush direction data for the no, Browns? I did not. All right. So I wrote something. Let's see, what did I write? Uh, I just said on Twitter during the first half, everyone wanted more Chubb. We got more Chubb. They took the lead after the game. Many Browns fans wanted a pass 
on the final play when they went to Chubb and it failed. So, you know, I was just pointing that out. Sure. So see, his name is it's Nick Shepard. He retweeted something from Jake Burns. So I'm not going to take any credit on this. And I don't know if this is accurate, but I'm just going to tell you what it says here. His tweet was, this was the main issue in a fair one. Brutal asking JC to reach the play side shade like that, especially Hankins. And then it says the run direction. It said when they went to the left, 10 carries for 63 yards, middle runs, nine carries for 31 yards, right side runs, four carries for minus three. Mm. Well, that's interesting. I don't know if that, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah. But, I mean, that's you know, interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe you're trying to break tendency, right? If you've been going left all game, you think, okay, we're going to switch them up and go right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, maybe JC was in putting a tough position. He certainly did not win that one-on-one matchup. Um, you know, but it's it's three yards, right? The play before there was no room to run for Chubb, and they went to the left, and he fights and fights and fights and falls forward for five yards, right? So you can get three yards. You don't need everything to go right, but like I laid out, three blocks went wrong, you know, and maybe if one of those works out, Chubb can keep his feet going, and he falls forward. Shoot, maybe he gets fourth and one. And Prefer says, hey, we're going to go for it and end the game, right? I mean, you never, I, you know, that's obviously a huge hypothetical and you don't know. But um, you should, I guess the bottom line is, you should be able to run it any which direction and get three yards um, with Nick Chubb. Now, I understand that that doesn't always happen. We see plenty of runs stopped. But when the alternative, the alternative is not Aaron Rodgers, right, thrown to Devontae Adams. That's not the alternative. So right. that's, that's why I would cut Van Pelt slack. And I don't know, you know, Stefanski would not say, and God bless him for it. He wouldn't say what he would have called there. You know, obviously he's going to get throw Van Pelt under the bus, but Stefanski might've been bold there. I mean, we've seen him throw the ball in the past, but again, it's not with your third string quarterback. And, you know, people act like, well, Mullins led this comeback and he had, he had two drives, Right maybe three if you count the field goal missed. Um, and he was playing, obviously, he played better in the second half. And he didn't turn, over the, turn the ball over, and he gave you everything you needed from a third-string quarterback in a tough spot. But, again, do you want the ball in his hands or Nick Chubb's hands? You know, and, and I would say Nick Chubb. Now, the, the counterpoint is, well, if you call the perfect play and the guy's wide open, then, yeah, then I would, then I would trust Mullins to make – a five-yard pass to a wide-open David Njoku. But that has to be wide open too, right? There's no guarantee that this pass play is going to spring somebody wide open, right? There just isn't. So, you know, you could, you know, then say, well, then it's up to Mullins not to throw it, you know, if it's, if it's not wide open, he can run and fall down and you're still going to punt. There's an argument to be said there, you know, for a clock standpoint. Um, but it, it's a failure to execute. And we're going to talk about the defense. It's the same thing there. I don't really blame the coaching. Um, and I understand why fans are upset about it. Hey, if you throw it, we could win the game. But to me, this is not a terrible play call. It's just not. Yeah. All right. You ready to move on? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about this week now. And I mean, just it's like. Wait, real quick. Let me just. The defense, yeah. right? The defense had a chance. They're still up, right? Yeah. They're still winning the game. They needed to stop there. They got to stop the week before against the Ravens after the botched onside kick right they get him in fourth down Denzel Ward makes a play um you know Joe Woods 
people want to criticize him. They, I, I went back, right? They had seven snaps in that last drive. He rushed four, five times, so they didn't blitz on four on five of the seven. Um, the other two, they sent six, including the last play, right? He tried to bring pressure on that last play, and then Zay Jones just beat MJ Stewart, the third-string nickel, on a crossing rod. And Carr made a nice little rollout to the right, hit him, and they were able to spike it. Um, you know, there's a play that where the tight end catches the ball in the flat. Um, it should be a short gain. It should be a short gain. JOK took a funky, like he cams over and kind of like pauses. I think he doesn't want to knock him out of bounds. I think Denzel sees JOK coming, so he kind of pulls up. All of a sudden, the guy goes for 12 yards and gets out of bounds. And that was a place Stefanski focused on um, when we talked to him on Tuesday. We got to keep him in bounds. We got to make the tackle. And I don't know. I don't know how much of that was guys not being in position. How much was like this little awkwardness? Um, it almost looked like a lack of effort, but I don't think that was it. I think they didn't want to like force him out of bounds, but instead he still gets out and picks up yards. Um, so that was poor execution. But you know, and I'm not, I'm not defending Joe Woods on everything he's done. Although I think he needs more credit than he's been given. He got killed early in the year, and now the defense is playing much better, and he never gets any credit for that. But in this situation, we talk about Van Pelt not turning the game over to your third-string quarterback. Clowney's out. Tack McKinley's out. Miles Garrett can barely move on his injured groin. You don't have Greg Newsom, Troy Hill, and John Johnson the third, right? <laughs> right? And Ryan Harrison and Grant Delpit. So you don't have either starting safety. You don't have your starting nickel, and you don't have your starting corner. So is the answer to blitz everybody and leave those guys one-on-one coverage in the back end with Richard LeCount like your – center fielder, the, your, you know, last line of defense. I don't know. I don't, that doesn't sound like a great option to me. So, you know, you needed somebody to make a play. You needed, you know, one more play, really. That's all you need. Cause if they don't get to the 30 yard line, it's a longer kick. Does he make it from 55? You just don't know. So they needed one more play and they couldn't make it. And, and again, I, you know, and this is not a, I, you know, I don't always defend the coaches, but I'm not sure what the alternative there for Joe Woods is. He tried to blitz twice. It didn't work. He tried to play coverage. It didn't work. He's got a – I saw somebody, I think it was a Ryan Clark film breakdown on ESPN. I mean, Richard LeCount um, took the bad angle on that lead, on the final completion that he should have stepped up and made cargo to somewhere else on that crossing run. But you got a rookie who never plays out there, and he's out there only for the last, like, 11 snaps because John Johnson the third got hurt. So – it's, it was a tough spot, and that's where maybe COVID caught up to him. But really, you just need one guy to make one play, in it, whether it was offense or defense. And that's why it's super frustrating if you're a fan, because that play just didn't happen. Didn't get made. I got to believe that you had an article written after the interception that had the Browns winning the game, and that was the one play, right? I mean, right. <laughs> right. You got the touchdown, and then you get the, the touchdown, Harrison Bryant on fourth down, and then you get the greedy pick. And Derek Carr, they must have seen something on film, and I expect Aaron Rodgers to do the same. They went after Greedy Williams deep time and time again. And they weren't really successful. And sometimes a guy was open and there's, a, you know, it's a missed throw. It's, you know, that's low percentage plays. It's higher percentage one probably when Aaron Rodgers is throwing it. Although Derek Carr throws a nice deep ball. Um, but they attacked Greedy deep, and then he made him pay on that thing. You're like, all right, well, he made him pay. This is it. And they couldn't get the one first time. 
But yeah, I did have a story written. I had a couple different <laughs> stories written. I did not have one for the Browns take the lead and then lose on the last second field goal. I had to write that one um, spur of the moment. And I was a little bit worried to see how it turned out. Oh man, that was certainly a roller coaster. All right, are you ready to move on yeah, now? I'm ready. On the, now, all right, good because I'm I'm done with that game. I'm ready to move on. So let's call this. Um, but I got to say though, I am done with it. But boy, it, it, you know, I hate the I hate the way it turned out. But boy, there was a lot to talk about, and, yeah. it, and and it was an exciting game to watch. So, and from that standpoint, again, at least we have that to talk about. Then, um, you know, two win seasons. So sure. there is there is that to think about. I guess. I know that doesn't help anyone right now, but all right. So I got four subjects here. Let's call them four quarters. First, second, third, fourth quarter. These are my four topics. Uh, what do you want to go with first? I think these are the four main things to hit right now. Injuries, COVID, uh, punting situation, mm -hmm. and Miles Garrett kind of falls into that injury thing, but I think he's his own topic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's go in that order, Chud. All right. That's fine. So we'll go with injuries and I'll leave Miles out. Um, Kareem Hunt and Troy Hill, they're still on the COVID list, but they're also dealing with injuries. And Stefanski said they won't play Saturday. Um, so, again, you're going into Green Bay without your top two nickels, going in without one of your best playmakers. Um, Malik Jackson, you know, he's been missing practice, but I expect him to play. Um, David Njoku and Denzel Ward were added to the injury list is limited, although they didn't really practice. They just estimated them. Um, I, I was told I'd, it doesn't seem to be a big deal, so I would think they would play. The other one is John Johnson III, right? We talked about him leaving the game um, against the Raiders. Wouldn't have practiced the last two days. We'll be out in practice. We're taping this, I think today's Thursday. All the days run together. Thursday morning. Oh, yeah. Practice is later today. We'll see if he's out there. Um, they need him, right? Hopefully, they would get at least Grant Delpit back from the COVID list. Um, Ronnie Harrison is not guaranteed to come back from when he went on the list. He would have to be asymptomatic, which he tweeted that he wasn't. So, he'd have to get over COVID, be asymptomatic, and test negative. So, um, you need one of those safeties back. I thought Javante Moffat actually played pretty well. He played a bunch of safety. But you need one of your top three guys to give you a chance back there. And the more the better, especially against Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, can't stress that enough, how you deal with Aaron Rodgers. Um, so that's the injury standpoint. Um, John Johnson III and Miles Garrett are the key ones to uh, keep an eye out for. All right, let's go into COVID. Uh, I, I know you kind of talked a little bit about that, but, um, you know, our, and I have a feeling you probably learned more today after we tape this, but we do know that Stefanski's back. Yep. You know that Hooper's back, and we also had some other guys go back on. Yeah, Greg Newsom the second, who still hadn't cleared concussion protocol, but he tweeted that he was close, um, went on the COVID list Wednesday. So, you know, I think we can assume he'll be out Saturday. It's not a done deal, right? You can still, um, if you were asymptomatic, still test negative with the new protocols. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's – it's probably safe to say he's going to be out. The key is you look at the guys that went on last week. And even if you don't test out of the protocol, it's a 10 day window, right? Assuming you're healthy, assuming you're healthy, 10 day window, you can come back. We've seen that throughout the season. So that 10 day window puts guys who went on the list a week ago, Tuesday, 
Um, Jarvis Landry, Jedrick Wills, um, would have been Austin Hooper, but he came back yesterday. Those guys can come back by Friday, right? They clear the list Friday. They'd be able to travel with the team to Green Bay, assuming they're healthy and asymptomatic. So you're counting on Wills and Landry for sure, or not for sure, but you're counting on them. So fancy is hoping that they would clear today and be able to practice, right? I mean, that's the, you want them out there. You want to see them on the field. Now it's been two weeks, right? Last week you said, yeah, we'll just play whoever comes back as long as they're healthy. Now it's, well, if they haven't practiced in two weeks, we haven't, two weeks, we haven't seen them in two weeks. It's kind of a case-by-case basis. You're obviously going to try to get these guys to play, um, but you have to treat them individually. Is this guy look like he's ready to play in the, whatever, warm-ups before the game and the walkthrough on Friday, whatever it is, right? Whenever you can get your eyes on him. Um, the guys who tested positive last Wednesday, if they don't test out, and that's Baker. Um, you know, Baker, obviously, is the biggest one from that list. Um, he would come out of the protocol Saturday, and he said he's been asymptomatic. So we assume he's still asymptomatic. Um, he can come back Saturday and would have to travel separately. Like, the Browns could activate him Friday. He clears Saturday, can play Saturday afternoon. Um, and Stefanski wouldn't commit to this. Maybe he will today. You know, I assume you're going to start Baker Mayfield, right? Um, he, like I said, he didn't commit to that because, you know, it's been two weeks. Um, but I would think a Baker Mayfield after two weeks still gives you a better chance to win than Nick Mullins. And, you know, I think it'd be somewhat of an indictment against Baker if they didn't feel the same <laughs> way. Right. So, you know, I but when's the last time. So when would the last time he practiced would be the Friday before it- the Ravens game? So December 10th. The thing about that, you get yeah. you get him back, but I mean, like right now, he can't even be around the team, right? It's it's all. No. Virtual. I mean, he's not, he's in the meetings, right? He's in the virtual meetings, so that's one of the beauties of being in virtual meetings yeah. is that everybody's in them. So he's there, he's engaged. I assume he's out working out at some, you know, in his house or whatever, right? Running around Westlake, whatever. Um, I assume he's doing. Well, I don't know if he's running around Westlake with COVID. So wherever he's getting some kind of aerobic workout in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it's not a no brainer, I guess, to say, yeah, all of a sudden this quarterback's going to come back and start. Aaron Rodgers did it when he came off the COVID list. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to compare the two. I'm just saying there is some precedent for quarterbacks doing it. Um, you know, now if Case Keenum had been practicing the whole time, maybe you go with Case Keenum, but he's also out on COVID. He's not guaranteed to come back because he went on the COVID list Thursday last week. So it's a rusty Baker Mayfield versus Nick Mullins. Um, and I guess there is a decision to be made there. Um, I would start Baker Mayfield. I expect the Browns to start May- Baker Mayfield, but it wouldn't, it's not ideal, right? Ideally he clears today and can practice or he clears tomorrow and can go through some kind of walkthrough and throw the ball before the Browns get on a flight. Right. I mean, that's ideal. And, you know, you're looking at like Jacobs Phillips came off the list yesterday. Hooper came off the list yesterday. Um, Grant Delpit. I believe was a Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. So he should be back um, assuming he's asymptomatic, but then there's guys that aren't guaranteed to come back and it's the right tackle, James Hudson, the third Ronnie Harrison. Like I mentioned the safety. I mean, you know, there's still, I think there's still 19 guys on the list. So it's a long list, right? Um, the linebackers, Mac Wilson, senior um, Tony Fields, the second. Um, so, 
you know, the Browns are your Malik McDowell should be back the D tackle and they missed him and they need him back against the Packers because they run the ball up the middle. We talk about Aaron Rodgers. The Packers run the ball up the middle a lot. At least the last two games that I watched, they did. And McDowell is probably their be- the Browns' best run defender interior. So they could use him back. Assuming he's asymptomatic, he will clear the protocols in time to play. So that would be a bonus. Um, you know, but there's still, you know, still a lot of question marks. And even if you get guys back, like we said, Chuck, it's off a long rest and with not a lot of practice. So it's still, you know, it felt like last week was the worst COVID weekend. It was, but it's, so not, are we, it's not like the are runs we, are out of the clear. No, not at all. So are we to assume that currently Baker is testing positive? Is that because if he tested negative, he would be out? Is we that know right? that. Yes, we know that. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's no – what would stop him from coming – so if he continues to test positive, but you talk about the 10 days. Right. So Saturday would be 10 days. But Exactly. But, but what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything if he continues to test positive. No, it does. Like, that, the, I'm sure it's based on CDC guidelines. But if you hit your 10-day window, it doesn't matter if you continue to test positive or not. Like, it's, it, you're no longer contagious, right? I mean, that's, that's the thinking behind it, is that you can still test positive even if it's, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to screw up some medical thing here. Not like it's out of your system, but, yeah, you're no longer contagious. Like, the, the viral So if he, load, tests positive, if, he, if he tests positive on Friday – he can still play yes. as on set. He could, so he can come, so he can come back no matter what. Then it's just a as coach's as he, decision as to whether he put. As long as he feels fine, right? As you long as he's like, asymptomatic, yes, yes. yes. You can't yeah. come back if you're walking around sick. So I mean, that's right. So that's the thing. The point is, if you're asymptomatic, they only make you stay on the list ten days, right? Because there's people that just test positive forever, and they're not considered a danger to people. You know what I mean? All right, I'm glad we cleared that up. Okay, because that that is a little confusing. Oh, it is. It is. And yeah. Stefanski kind of went through that the other day because he was the same way. If, if he hadn't tested negative yesterday and he'd continued to test positive, he would have come off the list Saturday, been able to coach, assuming he stayed asymptomatic, but he would have had to fly separately too. So, like, there's all kinds of contingencies plans that the team's having to deal with. Oh, what a, what a mess. Okay. Yeah, and it's not, you know, you thought – I think there was this belief that once the protocols changed to – one negative test, right? Because it used to be two negative tests up until a week ago. It used to be two negative tests, 24 hours apart. And now it's one negative test. And that makes it easier, but to test out, right? The one as opposed to two, obviously. Um, but it's not any guarantee. Like guys still continue to test positive because they're carrying the viral load. You know, the, the COVID load is in them and it doesn't necessarily dissipate or disappear in you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten days. It depends on the person. We saw Wyatt Teller come back. We saw John Johnson the third come back, but it was like a person here, person there, as opposed to this rush of players off the COVID list. All right, let's talk about the punting situation quickly before we get to Miles. Yeah, it's disappointing, right? Jimmy Gillen is a fan favorite. I got some guy that texts me all the time. He loves the hammer. Um, Easy to like, right? Fit in with the community. Big, you know, out in Tremont, hanging out down there, helping out during the start of the pandemic, pandemic giving meals to people. Um, but he just had a bad year, and he wasn't great last year. You know, he, his rookie year is his best year. He was inconsistent throughout this season. We all know what happened in that opener against the Chiefs where he dropped the snap, panicked, and didn't kick it, and it leads to the easy go-ahead touchdown. 
for the Chiefs. Um, and who, you know, who am I to say if he never recovered from that? Because he had some good kicks after that. Um, but the season just never got going for him. And, you know, D- Dustin Colquitt, and so then, Co- then Gillen gets COVID um, a couple of weeks ago. They have to bring in a punter. They bring in veteran Dustin Colquitt. And he's been, I don't, he's been fine. He hasn't been great. Um, but the Browns obviously feel more comfortable with him going down the stretch. And, you know, that's a, it's not good for Gillen. And now he's going to have to go find another job. He's got a huge leg. We just didn't see it enough. Um, you know, you saw all this promise as a rookie and it, it, it never materialized. So hopefully he lands somewhere else. You know, I think he's a really likable guy. Um, but it's interesting that they make the move at punter and yet they stick with uh, struggling kicker Chase McLaughlin, like we talked about. Yeah, good point. All right, let's move on to Miles here because regardless, it's not going to be Miles at 100%. Uh, you yeah. know, where are we at with him right now? Yeah, when the practice the last two days, you know, they did the estimated practice injury report and they only had a walkthrough on Wednesday. Um, you know, after the game, Miles said, hey, you're going to have to kill me or break my leg to keep me from playing. And I get that that's hyperbole and it's after a game. And, you know, I mean, I mean he means that he's going to try to play. He's going to do everything he can to play. The MRI came back, you know, obviously it's good enough that they just didn't shut him down for the season, but it's bad enough that Stefanski says, yeah, he's got a groin injury. We need to see, we need to see if he can practice. We need to see if he's going to be able to play. So they don't know. I don't think he'll be ruled out today. I just don't think you want to do that with Miles Garrett. I think you want to give him every chance. Um, to show up Saturday and gut it out. There's only three games left in this regular season, right? You need to win. They, you know, they, they could lose to Green Bay and still, you know, figure out a way to backdoor into the AFC North, but it's not likely. So it's a big, it's a big game Saturday in Green Bay, and you want your best players out there, and he wants to be out there. We've seen Miles show time and again that he's devoted to this team and dedicated and is doing everything he can to make this team a winner. So I think he'll try to play. It'll be interesting to see if he does anything in practice today. Um, but like you said, even if he is out there, um, he's not going to be the same Miles Garrett, right? You just don't have the same explosion and burst and power when you have a groin injury. So that's tough again with this Aaron Rodgers matchup. I keep going back to it and just let me throw the stand out for you. Aaron Rodgers has 30 touchdowns and four interceptions this year. That's mind boggling. Um, so you got to figure out ways to slow him down. If you don't have your best pass rusher, that hurts. Um, obviously, now maybe Miles can, you know, sum it up or, you know, suck it up for five huge plays and get pressure and help change the game. I, I don't think that's out of the question. But he, it's tough when, he, when you're not going to have a Miles Garrett at 100%. Then out on top of that, Tack McKinley, the number three end, is out for the year with the torn Achilles. And Jadavion Clowney, your number two end, is on the COVID list and was symptomatic last week. So it's not out of the question he could play, but he would have to get better and test negative because he didn't go on the COVID list till Sunday um, to be played, to play. So you're likely going to have a less than 100% Miles Garrett, no Clowney, no McKinley, and a lot of Port Augustine, Joe Jackson, and Ipiati Odenigbo. Well, I mean, now looking ahead, I mean, you couldn't ask for a worse situation. I mean, besides maybe Tom Brady and gosh, they're banged up with receivers or Bill Belichick and having to figure out a way to beat New England. I mean, we could name a couple others. I, I, I think if <laughs> if you had to pick one team 
and one quarterback or at least top two or three quarterbacks that you do not want to face when you're in a must win situation on Christmas day, this is it. Sean, you're exactly right. I'm glad. I like how you phrase that. Um, and I, you know, I obviously knew this was a really difficult matchup. I don't know if I conceptualized it like that, that it might be the toughest matchup for the Browns this week in green Bay at Lambeau field versus the Packers who are 11 and three, which I think is the best record in the league in the entire league. I know they clinched the NFC North last week. Their quarterbacks playing at an MVP level. Um, yeah, it's, it might be the toughest assignment for the Browns to have and going in, you know, needing a win or coming awfully close to needing a win. Um, yeah, it's incredibly hard and you're going to do it in less than ideal circumstances, right? Less than a full roster, um, guys just scrambling to get back all of that, all the things we just talked about. Um, the odds are stacked against the Browns and yeah, I, and Aaron Rodgers is my, has been my favorite quarterback to watch forever. I, I just can't get enough of him. Makes everything look so easy. Um, you know, you play great coverage and he puts the ball exactly where you need to be. Like it's hard, hey, to, it's hard to come. I, I got, I've done it. I've configured out a way where the Browns might be able to sneak out a win here, but it's hard to do. Like it's hard to conceptualize. He became one of my favorites in 2011 when he led me to a fantasy ball and I'll never forget it. He ripped someone up on Christmas day. I can't remember who oh, it yeah. was, but <laughs> so, I mean, you know, he's just, he is so much fun to watch. He really he is. is. And whether you, whether you like him or not, you have to enjoy watching him as an NFL quarterback. Oh, you do. And, you know, and he, you know, I didn't agree with a lot of stuff he said this year with the whole misleading people with the immunization and the cancel culture garbage. Um, but I still like watching him play. I really do. And, you know, who knows? I mean, it's not, well, maybe it is crazy. He might win a Super Bowl with Green Bay this year and leave. Right. Like everything is pointing to him leaving Green Bay after this season. And, you know, it's we're not going to talk about it now, but, you know, is that a, is that a guy that the Browns try to go get? Would he even consider coming here? Like that's a discussion for down the road, but it's going to be crazy that he could win another MVP, win a Super Bowl and then be on the market. Right? Like there's that chance that that happens. That is uh Wow, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of wrap, wrap my head around, and, and you said you're trying to figure out any which way before we get to predictions. Well, before we get to this question, anything else you want to break down? Uh, I'm simply just going to ask you, how, how do you beat the Packers? Yeah. Like, what would you – I mean, I, that's, the, that's all I have left. Yeah. Um, I went back and watched the last two games, right? And they – well, they barely hung on to beat the Ravens, right? And a lot of people watched that. It was on TV here on Sunday. Um you know, scored, I think they went 31-30. So they scored 31, um, give up 30. A lot of that was Tyler Huntley running around. Um, you know, their defense is pretty solid, the Packers, but hasn't played as well lately. There's a stretch in the middle of the season that the defense played really well. Then you watch the Bears game the week before they played on Sunday night. Um, and the Bears wound up scoring close to 30, but a lot of it was special teams and big plays, like, I think, I think Green Bay scored 45 that game. Um, so, yeah, so you figure out – you watch it and you say, how can the Browns win this game? And it starts with trying to just limit Aaron Rodgers, right, which means I think you need to run it well and shorten the game. And kind of like when you play the Chiefs, right, you need to long possessions and then score touchdowns at the end of your possessions. 
then try to make Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes go eight, nine, 10, 11 plays instead of the big plays. Hopefully something happens. There's a penalty, there's a tip pass, something um, that allows you to get a stop, right? And then in the red zone, hold them to field goals instead of touchdowns because they're going to move the ball. I can't come up with a scenario where Aaron Rodgers doesn't move the ball up and down the field. Now, can you keep them to field goals and not touchdowns? Yes, that's realistic. And they're not a perfect team. And we saw New England, or, uh, Tampa Bay get shut out by the Saints the other night, right, with Tom Brady quarterback. We saw Arizona with Kyler Murray going to Detroit and get beat. So crazy stuff happens in this league. It's just hard to predict that kind of crazy stuff. And all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is going to not play well when he has a – first of all, he's got a chance to break Brett Favre's franchise touchdown record too. So you know he'll be excited for that. Um, but when I come up with a scenario for the Browns to win, it's, it's not letting him score as many touchdowns. So can you hold him to 27 points, right? That's a lot of points, but that seems like Green Bay is going to get there. You just can't let him get into the 30s and the 40s because you won't have any chance. Hold him to 27, that gives you a chance to win the game. And then you need, uh, I think you need a big play touchdown. You know, I go back to that Cincinnati game where you had the Nick Chubb long run. You had the DPJ long touchdown. But you need something where you don't have to put together a drive. You just get one play, and that gives you seven points. And then I think you need a fluky touchdown, whether that's a defensive touchdown, whether that's a special teams touchdown. And the Browns haven't come close to scoring a touchdown on special teams this year. Um, but the P- Packers are bad on special teams. And they give up returns. They fumble balls out of bounds. Like, I watched that Bears game. They were awful on special teams. So maybe you can block a punt. Um, maybe you can return one for change. JoJo Natson came off the COVID list. Maybe he gives you your best chance, I think. Um, you need, you need an extra touchdown from special teams or defense. And all of a sudden, we're at 14 points. And then all you have to do is score 14 more. Right, you get the explosive touchdown, you get the funky touchdown, and then how do you get to 28 to win 28 to 27? Like, that's if I were Stefanski, that's what I'd be trying to come up with. And you can score two touchdowns on this defense, right? Just running the ball and Nick Chubb, and you got your tight ends back. Um, you should have Jarvis Landry back. So, that's the scenario. Like, that's my blueprint is get figure out a way to get to 28 27. Um, way easier said than done. I'm not predicting that. But that's how I could see the. But that's like to me, that's the way you win the game, and maybe the only way you win this game. I don't think you can win. Like I don't think seventeen sixteen is possible. I just don't see Aaron Rodgers not scoring twenty four twenty seven. Like, am I wrong, Chud, or am I right? Well, no, no, no. You're one hundred percent right. But the way the NFL has been this year, if the Browns do win the game, (laughs) maybe it's just something crazy happens to where they they win like a score by, I don't know. No, there's no way you would predict it. There's no way I can see it happening. Uh, but it, I, I guess in the way this NFL season has been, but I feel like the Packers have kind of been immune to uh, the craziness of, of this NFL season. They just seem to be rolling on, on all cylinders. Right. I mean, yeah. what they had, I mean, they lost the open. Yeah. I mean, they played terrible in the opener and lost to the saints. And then they've been really good since I think one of their other two losses when Rogers was out with COVID. Yeah, eleven and three. Yeah. They're eleven and three. So, yeah, you're right, boy. Uh, all right, you ready to get to predictions? Yep. 
And and I think I saw the Browns have only won there one time, right? They've only won in Lambo one time. Is that right? I, Since I, I don't. You know what? I've not even gone through the release yet, Todd. That that's insane. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Stefanski told people, he 